Thanks for sitting down with us this evening. This is the Drunken UX Podcast. This is episode number 62, where we're talking about working remotely during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. I am your host, Michael Feenan. I'm our other, other host, Aaron Hill. How you doing, Michael? I feel like my intro to this show, the longer I'm doing it, the more <laughs> newscaster this the whole starting segment <laughs> is getting. That's why I say other, other host. Yeah, I, I don't have like a... A uh, nice little catchy thing. It's just like I've I've just kind of fallen into this very matter of fact. It's like, uh, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Otherwise, <laughs> um, folks, this episode of the Drunken UX podcast is brought to you by our friends over at NewCloud. You can check them out at newcloud.com/slash/drunkenux. You can go check them out if you want to get anything done with interactive maps, illustrations, or tools for your website. Uh, let's see what else do we got going on, Aaron. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook.com slash DrunkenUX and on Instagrams.com slash DrunkenUX podcast. And also you can come and chat with us on DrunkenUX.com slash Discord. Uh, we are on Discord now. And let's talk about what we are drinking tonight. I'm having Maker's 46. Maker's 46. Um, I like Maker's oh, Mark. That sounds good. Yeah. Normal Maker's Mark. It's okay. I, I can sit down and have a glass of that. But... Boy, Makers 46. Makers 46 to me is maybe not as, like, I like I say, I like Makers Mark. I've had Gentleman Jack on the show before, and mm -hmm. I've mentioned, like, I don't like Jack Daniels. I, I think Jack Daniels is kind of crap. But, yeah. boy, do I enjoy Gentleman Jack. This is a similar kind of thing. It's like the like the Bud Light of whiskey, or Bud Light of bourbon. It, yeah, kind of. That That's like, going to insult somebody, but... Yeah, I, I, I mean, no, I don't no, feel bad about that. I mean, no disrespect to it. Like it, like I, I've <laughs> people who like Bud Light like it, and that's totally fine. You know, like you, it's not not disrespecting. It's just that it's very popular, yeah. and it's sort of an entry like entry point into drinking it's, that kind of. Jack is great drinks. for mixing. Yeah, um, and Maker's Mark is very much that way. Normal Maker's Mark is a great cocktail uh, bourbon, mm -hmm. but. Man, Maker's 46 with just a giant hunk of ice in it is, mm -hmm. it, it's a nice, it's it's a little bit more aggressive than like Gentleman Jack is. Gentleman Jack is incredibly smooth and just has a nice, even, mellow flavor, but Maker's 46 has a little bit of a kick to it. Um, you can really taste some of that corn in it. Mm -hmm. The sweetness, the sweetness of the corn comes through a lot harder than in Gentleman Jack. Yeah, it's it is a permanent fixture in my in my bourbony side. Let's try of that whiskey. out. Nice. I'm uh, skipping drinks tonight. I have to I have to run out right after the show, so got to be responsible. Sorry. Later on, I might drink a tequila sunrise, though. You understand what that means? That I have to drink twice as much. That I have to drink twice as much. Well, obviously. I have to keep the show balanced. If you're not drinking, I have to drink twice as much. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay you drink twice as much and then i'll be the smart one in the show oh god <laughs> this is gonna hurt <laughs> i'm gonna give a shout out over to a, a friend of the show adam fur um mm -hmm. i apologize on the name if i'm getting that a little off uh, as usual because <laughs> i want just once i would like somebody to be like my name is john smith i can 
okay, I can handle that. <laughs> but it's pronounced um, Janofsky. <laughs> uh, Adam reached out to us uh, a few weeks ago to share a tool with us that he built. Um, and I got to looking at it, and and you've maybe seen this on some, you know, some of the news sites. I I know it has definitely made the rounds, but it's colors dot lol lol. Yeah, it's kind. It's a it's a nice little fun, <laughs> yeah, uh, break so to speak. It, it it's a it's overly descriptive color palettes. <laughs> and so you go there, and he's just he's generated. I don't I don't know how he's generated these. Um, you know, based on something or. Um, using you know a tool to pull like triads or or something mm. like that out, but the, the color palettes are legit nice though. Like they yeah, are... yeah, like they they are. I think from a color theory standpoint, these. Oh yeah, that's why I say like he did something to generate these. Um, that makes all of them sense. are like super like super visually pleasing. Um, the color names are hilarious. There's like uh, ferruginous nice blue, scrubby pale rose, jerking grapefruit, post traumatic dark blue gray. I've I've got two here that I okay. think are two of my favorites. So there's one. It's a a geotropic dark aquamarine, <laughs> stone light green blue, and ornate water blue. <laughs> and then there's another one that's uh, integrative pig pink, <laughs> multi screen baby pink, and eerie dark gray. <laughs> yeah. Multi screen baby pink, I think, wins it for me though. <laughs> Those are awesome. Yeah, it's really funny. Am I right here? I'm looking at this. Yeah, I am right. They the sizes of them change too. Like he's he varies the swatch widths. Yes. Just kind of with you know with a certain amount of random uh, randomness to it. There are, it looks like there are upper and lower bounds, but visually it's not the same over and over and over. Um, right. There's a lot of de- It's like there's a lot of detail here um, yeah. that. You know, he clearly used some kind of uh, description generator, you know, an adjective, noun, and then right. what the actual color is kind of thing. For a simple thing that doesn't do a lot, like, I can respect the work that went into generating this, I think. Yeah. Not I think, I, I can. <laughs> um, and so I went to his website, which is just adamfer.com, uh, A-D-A-M-F-U-H-R-E-R.com. He's actually done three other tools that are very similar to this. And I got to yeah. looking at those, and they are also just very cool little exercises in, you know, like, color art. The the, the CSS Mondrian one, if you don't know who Pierre Mondrian is, but you've ever looked at, like, modern art, you'll recognize the style. It's really, really distinctive. It's like a bunch of, like, uh, varied shaped grid with red, blue, yellow, and white squares. Yeah, boxes and rectangles, you know, yeah. har- harsh black lines up and down yes. and left and right with a primary color palette. So yes. whites, blues, yellows, green, or uh, uh, reds. R- red, yellow, blue, white, yeah. <laughs> but like like pure red, yellow, blue, right, yeah. white coloring those boxes. What? When you see it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I've seen art like that before. Yeah, you'll know the art. But yeah. it's random, right? You go in there and you can refresh yes. it, and it's it's generating a random with uh, random Mondrian with CSS. Right. Did you see the Pantone color of the year, too? Yeah. Okay, so this is another one that I kind of – and I think this stuff is all in GitHub, and I should go – I don't – maybe he does this by hand. I could. I guess I could see him doing this by hand because he's only doing one a year. He pulled the last uh, two decades of the Pantone color of the year, mm-hmm. and he's listed them out on this page, then went out and found imagery to go with those colors. Yeah. 
so 2020 was classic blue and he's paired three images of it one of them is like a what is that a banana tree kind of, on yeah a, it looks like that on a holodeck <laughs> don't know. I don't know what that image is, but it's but like a cast in like a dark blue light. Yeah. Um. And then Kanye with uh, that's not Kanye, but it's not kind Kanye. Of, it kind of looks like it on my monitor. Um. But with like a blue light on his face, and then like a dude in a space helmet on a planet looking at like twelve suns, but again cast in this blue light. Right. Again, it's just kind of a cool exercise in yeah. color identification. And balance. Um, twenty sixteen, they did two colors: serenity and rose quartz. And so his images balance both of those colors. That was that one is really cool. I just really love. I, I don't know. I just, I just love seeing like the the images are all very different, but the color is clearly represented in the image. And it's you just you've really got to see it to understand exactly what we're saying. But it just looks cool. Yeah. He's got one other tool, the glitch art generator. Um, it's a glitch art generator. I not a whole lot yeah. more to say about that, but it's still it's also very cool. But go check his stuff out. Um, and Adam, if you're listening, thanks a ton for sending it to us. If yeah. anybody else has built something that they would love for us to give a shout out to, by all means, send it. We do read all those messages and and dig through them. Sometimes, Sometimes we get a lot of. St- if you made something and you're not using it to make money, it's just like a cool thing that you made, like. That's the stuff I'm interested in seeing. Like, I'm yeah. not as interested in like hawking products here. This is a, it, you know, this demonstrates, you know, thinking, right? Problem yeah. solving. It's a great way to demonstrate your skills if you're trying to build a portfolio. Um, we've talked about that so many times. Um, um, go definitely go check his stuff out. Obviously, links are in the show notes for that. Um, or look for the tweet on on Twitter about it, and I'll mm-hmm. I'll tag him in that as well, so that uh, folks can go check it out. Yeah. So, as of February, January, there's an article over at weform.org that cites, I think it's the Bureau of Labor Statistics or one of those, um, that noted that only about 7% of civilian workers in the United States, roughly 9.8 million of the nation's 140 million civilian workers, have access to a flexible workplace benefit, or telework. And I say that because there's there's a couple key notes there. First mm-hmm. of all, a lot of places will offer this flexible workplace. That doesn't right. mean you work remotely full-time. It means a day a week you can work from home or something like yeah. that. Um, so that's being included in this. The n- number of people who work remotely full-time is incredibly small. A lot of times flexible workplace policies are just like the employer either kind of testing the waters of what would it look like if we had people working remotely and can we handle that? Or also just employers recognizing that sometimes, you know, you have stuff that you have to take care of that's outside of the office and it's just this way you don't have to miss a day of work or anything to do it or use PTO. There's There's been a lot of growth in the field over the last five years. There's a 44% growth in the number of people who are like straight up working remotely. Um, that's a stat from Flex Jobs. I'll throw some links to this stuff if you ever want to reference it. But that still only amounts to about uh, 3.9 million people. 
So mm-hmm. compare so that that leaves about six million of those other people have ac- just access to it occasionally. The the reason I bring this up is as a consequence of COVID nineteen. Obviously, a lot of organizations have switched to working from home. Um, according to the bureau, twenty nine percent of Americans can mm-hmm. work from home. That's about forty six point million. Yeah, so 40. almost forty one million. Yeah, uh, but that's I, I, I did the math earlier. I didn't just do that off the top of my head. <laughs> I'll, I'm trusting you on this. Like. <laughs> I, I know you can write some mean Ruby code. I'm hoping you can work a calculator the same. <laughs> the other thing, too, is that saying that 29% of Americans can work from home, it's not saying that 29% of Americans are working from home right, right now. Because a lot of people who are remote-friendly workers you know, are out of work right now just because the economy slowed down. Yeah. So it's probably some number less than 29%. I, if I had to guess, I would say probably 15 to 20%. Yeah, I know, and I, I was kicking myself because I'd actually seen a stat that kind of estimated how many people are working from home right now, and unfortunately, I could not scrounge that number back up. So let's let's pretend like it's the upper bound of 41 million for the moment, because it may even be like you would normally say a teacher can't work from home. Uh, oh, but, but they are. But they are. You know, we've yeah. sort of adapted to it. But when things go back to normal. It's not like they are going to continue to have a teach-from-home day, most likely. The the thing that we want to get into, first and foremost, I want to just say, obviously, working remotely is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Even though it seems like a lot of people are doing it, turn on the TV and you see all the news people, you know, sitting in, in their little studies or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody you talk to is talking about Zoom and, and this and that. I know it seems like a lot of people are doing it. One big thing I want to start off with, and this is a sticky point for me, semantically, I do not like the phrase working from home. <laughs> I work remotely. You know, when you first brought this up, I, I had never considered the difference between the two, but I, I, I get it. It's, there's, it's a really subtle difference. Working from home is casual. Yeah. Working from home is what you do when you do it once a week or once a month. Yes. Yes. What I, and I, I've taken a little bit of sadistic pleasure in some of these conversations with people because over the years, and we should mention, right? Like between the two of us, I've worked from home or for, I already did it to myself. I, I've worked remotely for uh, over eight years and you had two or three years. Uh, full-time remotely two years. Um, we did some flex for about a year or two before that. And, and the, so the reason that I get picky about this and, and why I get put off by the phrase working from home is because whenever you have a conversation before everything happened, before all of all the COVID-19 stuff, you would, you'd say, oh, yeah, well, I work for a company that's based out of Boston. Um, I do all the web development. I live here. And they're like, oh, you work from home? That must be so nice. <laughs> and it it wasn't that it was a condescending tone, but it was sort of this sing song kind of like, I I don't know what the sentiment is that I'm trying to apply to that, but it was definitely a, you're, you're taken a little less seriously. I think. I could see that. It's, it's easy. Like when you don't have that option, it's easy to be like, yeah, exactly. You get to work from home. Must be so nice. 
it's used almost like a uh, like a pejorative that yeah it it's just this idea that oh that must be so nice and my answer was always the same always yeah. the same so we'd be like well that, that must be so nice and i'm like try it <laughs> yeah it's um the first six months is great and then after that it gets to be kind of hard the, the isolating the isolation aspect of it is something that i don't think like i knew about it before i started doing it but i don't think i really appreciated how much of a thing that would be yeah and I'm not going to lie. I have taken a little bit of sadistic pleasure in seeing people's Facebook posts about like how much they hate having to work from home right now because it makes me feel a little validated in this idea. And it's not I, – I don't say that to be mean to anybody else. The, my point is working from home is hard, um, mm-hmm. and it takes balance, and it takes a lot of things that we're going to talk about here in this episode to do it successfully – but more importantly, it is simply not right for everybody. It's just like learning. Everybody gets excited in college when they think about, I'll just take all these online courses, and I don't have to get up and go to that 8 a.m. lecture. The problem is, a lot of people learn really badly that way. They need guidance. They need that lecture hall. They need that structure and format in order to learn effectively. And it's not you know, that's not a bad thing. It's not like a bad trait or quality. It's just a difference in how people mm-hmm. learn. And the same thing exists with how people work. It's one of those things like when, when someone lives in uh, like a tropical area or something and you're just like, oh, it must be nice to be by the beach all the time. And then like if someone actually lives there, I'm sure there's reasons why that's not fun. But it just seems have, like it would be fun because you go there for vacation. Have you seen the mosquitoes? <laughs> right. That's, that's actually, I like that metaphor a lot. <laughs> so first and foremost, I want to talk about, first and foremost, you have to take it seriously. And that is part of why I like distinguishing between working from home and working remotely. Right. When I say I am working remotely, it lends a different kind of gravitas to the way that I approach it, as opposed to me just saying, I just work from home. I don't sit in my recliner in the living room with the TV on while I'm working. You know, I, I am not up, you know, just working on my phone, walking the dog and stuff. Like I am in my office at my desk doing my work and part of taking it seriously. And you'll hear this a lot is you're going to work, get up, get dressed, take your shower, get ready. Like if you work, as a journalist or something, then getting dressed is going to be a little bit more like how you would normally get dressed because you might have to have your recordings broadcast to a larger audience. You don't want to be wearing like an old college sweatshirt or something. Um, me personally, like I, I think it's important, like, yes, wear pants, dress, like get dressed in out of your pajamas, whatever you might wear. Like I, I try to wear like what I would wear if I went to the store or something. If I'm just going to be in public around other people, that's the kind of clothes that yeah. I like to wear. I I don't I don't do khakis and a button down when I'm working remotely. I just it's I don't find that comfortable. Right. Yeah. I'm not getting up and putting a suit on in the morning. Right. But I am. Right. I'm throwing some jeans on. I got socks on. You know, the one thing eight years I've been doing this, and mm-hmm. one thing nobody can ever accuse me of is standing up in front of my webcam and <laughs> forgetting that I am in my boxers. Like that's not a thing that happens. Yeah. I can't do that. I have to get up. Don't <laughs> what you don't want to do, I suppose the opposite would be 
don't bring your work laptop into bed and then just like slap your alarm and then open your laptop up and start working. Like, don't do right. that. Don't you do want to have you want to have some structure. The other part of taking it seriously is maintaining office hours. Mm -hmm. I start work at nine and I work until five. Yeah. Just like I would if I was going to the office. And sometimes I start a little earlier than that, 830 uh, or mm -hmm. so. I usually jump on. But you want to maintain that office hours because it's about structure and routine. Structure yeah. and routine is part of what makes working remotely successful. Right. And if you aren't taking your hours seriously and you're sleeping in, and I will admit I sleep in much later than the average person because my <laughs> office is only, you know, 30 feet from my bedroom. But right. that's purely a logistical choice. I, I, I will sometimes, if I can work it into my day where I'm still getting my full days of work around it, I, there's times that I will take a 20 or 30 minute power nap in the middle of the day because it lets my brain kind of reboot. It clears my head up and I do better work afterwards. Let me ask you this because that's yeah. that that's an interesting point. Do you do that in your office? No, I go out. I usually do it on the couch because the couch yeah. isn't comfortable enough that I'll fall asleep for a long time, but it's comfortable enough that I can like hit that bottom point of falling asleep and losing the track of time and then rebound out. There's a psychological reason I mentioned that. You don't want your brain to associate your office with sleep. Right. Because then it will encourage you to fall asleep at your right. desk or, you know, in front of your computer. <laughs> and you don't want that. Like that's... Oh, and vice versa, don't work in your bed because you don't want your brain to associate being awake yes. with being in bed. Yeah, that, yeah. that actually is a, an incredibly <laughs> good point. Um, and for a number, of, not just because of the association, but because, you know, there's all this stuff about light theory and, right. you know, the way blue light triggers your brain and stuff that, yeah, you can actually break your ability to fall asleep in bed the way you should normally go about it. So, yeah. And that's all about maintaining your hours, right? I maintain my hours in my office. I maintain my hours in my bedroom. What, what other thing with that? Uh, when you take lunch, take lunch, don't make lunch and work from your desk in your office or whatever, you know, like actually close your laptop or sign out of your computer or whatever and sit down and actually eat a lunch separately from your work. So the the mental association with your workplace is already getting blurred a little bit with your home place. Right. And it's it's important to kind of set good boundaries on okay, I'm exiting work mode and now I'm in home mode. I'm going to eat some lunch and everything. And then when you're done eating, then go back to work. I I will readily admit that I break that a lot, but you are right. I'm not saying that to, to disagree I do with too. you. You are right. <laughs> I, I have definitely broken it myself, but like when you break it, like be aware that like, be aware of what you're doing when you do. Yeah. That. Um, and I very much value, like I, I, before everything went to hell, I would go out to eat at least twice a week, which mm -hmm. sucks because it's more expensive to do that. But yeah, it, it was valuable to me to get out of the house for that 30 right. minutes to an hour and go eat somewhere. Or go to the gym. I, I would go to the gym a lot uh, over my work hour. Mm -hmm. So, But this all leads into the next uh, point, which is to know your space. What do you mean? When I started this job, I lived in a 952-square-foot house. Okay. It was basically a cracker box. And it was the <laughs> kind of cracker box that you could basically see the rest of the house from any point of the house you were in. Okay. If you were in the kitchen, you could see through the door and into the living room. If you were right. in the bedroom, you could see into the dining room. Right. My problem was my office was right off the dining room. And as a result, if I was in the living room, I could see my office. 
Right. And I have discovered, you know, this idea of like my office now that I am sitting in right now recording this episode, this is my office. I refer to it as such. Now, I will sit in here and play video games or something as well once in a while, but this is a workspace. This is, and, and this room, you can't see this room from the living room. You can't see this room from the bedroom. When I leave it, I can mentally disconnect from this space mm-hmm. and enter my living space. And my yeah. living space is not where I work. I don't take my laptop into the living room to work. Having that, again, having that boundary is really important. It is um, incredibly important. What happens if you don't have a good boundary is that you start to get a little stir crazy because your work days are at home and then your not work time is also in the same place. And then it starts to feel like you never leave. And it's just weird. Um, it was just, it was not mentally healthy for me to have that old house where I couldn't escape work. I was always thinking about work. You don't have to be perfect at all of it, though, to be successful at it. Right. But you do have to be aware and know when it's time to turn off some of those things and, mm-hmm. and separate. And you can't do that at all if you don't know your spaces and know where your boundaries are. Right. So the next part is, I I, I kind of fudge these together, but they are a little different. But one is knowing your ergonomics, and the other one is knowing your quality of life. The quality of life thing factors into all of this, taking it seriously, knowing your Mm -hmm. space, the work-life balance. Again, that gets back to that whole structural nature of working remotely. Yes. You have to you have to build out you have to recognize my my needs here as working in a home office are going to be different than what they would be if I was just doing something casually because I'm expected to work at a certain level of performance at a regular interval. So you want to set things up like that, like you would do if you were making a workplace or like an office. So to start off with like ergonomics and and I say ergonomics also this is just kind of a technology talk, but okay. um one is if you're going to work remotely, and this is this came up because of COVID-19. Okay. Um, you know how you can't find a N- Nintendo Switch right now? <laughs> yeah, yes. You know what else people weren't able to find uh, for a solid few weeks? Uh, I'm going to guess either webcams or microphones. Yeah, webcams. Yeah. Good webcams were mm-hmm. gone yeah. because everybody knew they were going to be switching to Zoom. And while laptops usually have a webcam, they aren't generally very good the webcam is important if you're going to be you know on in front of people for a while and i'm even i have a good webcam and i don't Mm -hmm. love the quality of my webcam it's a logitech uh c920 i think um which is a good good webcam like it's a Mm -hmm. good high-end webcam you get a good one for like 60 bucks right 50 60 bucks yes probably somewhere in there i think a better a better microphone is more important yeah so interesting uh point on that uh, I mentioned here as we were talking that I'm recording this episode in my office because so I've got sound deadening behind my monitors and stuff. Mm-hmm. But this microphone, I, I use a Shure SM7B. One thing that inevitably happens, especially when I'm talking to like new folks at work or something, is they always say, like, that's a big microphone. You sound really good on that. Mm-hmm. And I explain, yeah, you know, it, it, I do some shows and, and some voice acting and stuff like that. And... I figure I've invested in this equipment and this is the only way you get to interact with me. It is 
worth my time and effort to make sure that this time you spend with me is enjoyable um, and that you're not listening to me through a tinny little you know, computer <laughs> microphone or laptop mic. Even different than just enjoyable, just when you're working remotely and communicating over a video or audio conference, being able to understand the other person is so incredibly important. Yes. And I, I've been in many meetings where, you know, there was either a polycom or something else being used. And then when everybody in the room is talking on it, it's impossible to hear anyone because there's so much crosstalk and the audio fidelity is really crappy. If you have a good quality microphone, it makes the audio fidelity be a lot crisper and clearer to understand everyone, what everyone's saying. And that makes a world of difference. It absolutely does. Yeah, 100%. And you don't need... I have a Blue Yeti microphone that I'm recording right. on. And I think with the pop filter and the stand and everything, I think altogether it was probably about 150 bucks or something. Maybe. Um, and and you don't that. need all that. Like No. You can use the regular desk stand. Yeah, you've got the pop filter and stand because, again, you know, we, we try to take the development of this show you know, semi-seriously. <laughs> um, but you could just stick the Blue Yeti on your desk. You can get a used Blue Yeti and get the low-end uh, yeah. Yeti. It's 60 bucks, I think, and they make some, like the Snowball, yeah. um, any of those. Like, just for the purposes of remote working and, yeah. and being on a, a conference call, you don't need to spend $100 on a microphone. Just but get getting it. something... Decent US, USB microphone. That's all. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's it's well worth it. And people will notice. That's the other. Mm -hmm. That's the other part of that is, folks do notice when your audio quality is good. And, yeah. And they take note of it. Yeah. The other thing that's I think really important, right, is talking about the way your desk is set up. Yes. And eye strain. I use for what it's worth on my screens. Mm -hmm. Um, I run Flux on them now full time. Yeah. Flux is good. Because that's I am the blue spectrum stuff. Really. Yeah, because I, I stare at a screen all day. I used to use the uh, Gunner glasses. Have you seen mm -hmm. those? Yeah. The yellow, <laughs> yellow tinted. Not even just the screen color, but also having your screen at eye level height. If you're using a laptop, like my, my remote jobs are always provide a laptop or something. Get a laptop riser. They're like 40 bucks on mm -hmm. you can, uh, Amazon or wherever else. And if you don't have a laptop riser, just get several thick books or phone books or whatever. Stack it up so that you can look at your screen with only moving your eyes around without having to tilt your neck at all. Neck pain will creep up on you over a long period of time, oh, God, yeah. and you'll suddenly be like, why does my back and neck hurt? Well, yeah. I, well, I know these things, and I still yeah. to this day sit here, and I realize how much damage I've done to myself. Mm -hmm. I've gone so far as I don't just use a laptop riser. My desk is a sit-stand desk, nice. and it's motorized, so I can literally hit a button and raise my computer to the exact height that is comfortable for me in a given situation. If you can switch between sitting and standing, that's even better. That's really good for your for your back and for your legs and your hips. I have a, a wooden desk that has two levels on it and it's I can set it up and tear it down in about 20 seconds. And I can either like put the laptop at eye level or I can stand I can put it up on the next level up and stand up and have it at eye level and then put the keyboard where the laptop was. Given the cost of these kind of desks, I would say, you know, if you're just working remotely occasionally, um, if yeah. you're working from home, you probably don't need to invest in that. But if you are going to work remotely as your career, it's these steps are worth it. The chair. Oh, yeah. I dumped $600 on my chair. 
I I have I have a really shitty chair that I'm sitting on right now. It's like the kind you buy at Office Max for like sixty bucks or something. Yeah, I know. I, I have to one. edit it out of the show constantly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll get a better one one of these days, but uh don't don't sit on a couch. Couches are bad for your back anyways, but also like if you're sitting on a couch, you're gonna be like craning your neck downwards and you're recliners. Not getting... Recliners yeah. are comfortable, but they make terrible work chairs. Right. Sit sit at a table. I if you don't if you don't have an office, I mean having an, a dedicated office in your house is kind of a you know, a luxury. If you don't have that, then wherever you're working, like try to make it a flat surface, like a table that has a chair in front of it. Yeah. And um my my chiropractor would tell me sit at the edge of your chair, like away from the back, and make sure that your knees are lower than your hips. That's really important for your hip joints and also for your lower back. And it will help ensure that your back is like staying straight. You can really jack up your back if and your neck if you don't have good posture. Yeah. And we alluded to this already. Get up, go outside, walk around. Mm-hmm. Do it a couple times a day. Take 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Take your smoke break, basically. Yeah. The one thing about working remotely is if you vanish for 10 or 15 minutes, probably nobody's going to notice. Yeah. But you need, and it's it goes along with this idea of having the sit-stand desk a little bit. You need to get up once in a while. And when you are working in an office, if you re- really think about it, how many times you get up and you walk around the office or go mm-hmm. you know, to the door, next door, or whatever. If you're in a, a factory, you're up constantly moving yeah. around. You take for granted how much you move around until you are in your home, sitting in your office, and just at your computer all day. So yeah. if you got a smartwatch or your phone or whatever, set an alarm. 10 mm-hmm. o'clock, get up, go. Lunch, get up, go. 3 o'clock, get up, go. If you got a dog, perfect. Take the dog, to <laughs> go for a quick walk out in your front yard or something. That's I've been trying to do that more lately. You could also, um, if you have a glass of water that holds about 12 fluid ounces, like roughly the volume of a can of soda, just fill it up with water and then just keep it next to your things. You're drinking water while you're working. And then when it gets empty, you have to walk over to the kitchen or whatever to fill it up. That should be going to the water cooler. Yeah. Same thing. And it'll get you on the right, probably the right amount of rhythm there. Yeah. Then the last part of this is this work life balance thing. And you do have to know when five o'clock comes, you are done working. Yeah. Um, generally speaking. Yeah, I know that's different for everybody depending on what your responsibilities are. But for the normal person, when work's done, work needs to be done. You need to be able to understand, you know, this idea of the separation between where your workspace is, your life space is, you know, <laughs> having an office that I don't have to see when I'm in the rest of my house, that is a work life balance decision for me. Okay. So there's this meme that you may have seen. It says Tired of looking at bad screen. Want to go home and look at good screen. And it's it's like the first part is like a guy sitting in at an office desk looking at his computer. And the second one is him sitting on like his couch or bed looking at a laptop. And I mean, it, you know, the hu- the joke there is obvious. But just make sure that your bad screen and your good screen aren't the same screen. Yeah. I think is the, the important part there. <laughs> yeah. While I work remotely, my whole team certainly doesn't. Um, and our, like our part of the company, we've got about 30 folks who are mm-hmm. in our staffing technology group as a whole. And most of them work in one of our offices as part of our transition to all of us working remotely during this time. Our company has basically set up at five o'clock every day on the calendar. There's an hour happy hour meeting that you can go to 
You don't have to go to it every day. You don't have to go to it at all. But mm. it's it's there to give you some camaraderie and to help you have that casual time with your coworkers that you miss by not being in the office together. Mm-hmm. You know, remembering that we are so human beings are social creatures. Being locked up in your house all day, working from home, um, and I could go on the psychology about that for a whole lot longer than this episode's going to allow. <laughs> but you know, that aspect of it is about helping that work-life balance because you still feel engaged with those people so that when you are finished and you leave your work for the day, you still feel like you've had some of that social fulfillment that you've been missing. That's that's a really good point. And I, if you have a workplace that's remote friendly, when I, when I was working at Bold Penguin, they were really, really great about fostering a really good distributed culture. They would always find ways to make sure that the distributed team felt included. Uh, we used High Five for video conferencing, which was like really high fidelity video and audio. Uh, you know, if there's ever a discussion we, you know, with two people or three or four or five or however many, you hop on a video call. Getting the FaceTime with your coworkers is really important. Yeah. Yeah, and I've got to talk to a lot of people that I don't normally talk to either. You know, yeah. in my normal meetings, I interact with the people I'm working with directly, my stakeholders, my coworkers. Mm-hmm. But like I say our team, our, our entire crew is very big. And a lot of them are like our ML guys are brilliant dudes, but their work has nothing to do with what I'm doing. I'm a front-end developer. Um, they're building right. products for the future of our company and, and all this stuff. They're incredibly smart guys, and they're incredibly fun to sit down and talk with too. Um, it's it's a very casual, but it really does help the claustrophobic nature of remote working because that is that is a real thing. It is a very real thing. Also, the the dehumanizing aspect of working remotely too. I, it's it's really easy to, I don't know, to just sort of feel like a robot when you know you just you open your computer, you type stuff into it, with, and it's just you know text in a box. Getting to see other people's faces and things and other of other humans and have real human conversations, it's. I'm sure there's some kind of name for the psychological effect happening, but it just it makes you feel like a person again. So let's get into distractions because that's one of the big problems and and one of the big differences between working remotely versus working from home. <laughs> when you work from home, you deal with distractions. We've seen, we've all seen the little funny clips on YouTube about the kids walking into the mm-hmm. newscaster's room and getting pulled out, and like distractions happen, and distractions take on a lot of forms. And I'm not going to go into all of them, but I'll highlight a couple. One, do not turn on the TV in your <laughs> office. No, don't do that. I actually have one. Um, I have a, my my battle station here. In a worst case scenario, I can have four screens going at once. One of those four, though, is just a monitor I have set up to the side that has a fire stick in it. Okay. But it is black until 5 o'clock. Right. At 5 o'clock, then if I'm in here doing something or playing a game, I might throw Netflix on it or YouTube up sure. on it or something like that. But it is, it's not hooked up to my computer, but it's also never on before 5 o'clock. Study, studies after study have shown that we, we suck at multitasking. Yeah, and TV is something that draws not just your ears, but your yeah. eyes. Yeah. Music, that's why people can listen to music and work. Right. We can listen to the audio or listen to podcasts, um, even though 
interestingly, uh, podcast listening across the board has dropped off during this period, which I actually <laughs> found really fascinating that everybody has seen a huge drop off in their listenership. It's worth getting a good pair of noise canceling headphones to deal with distractions. Mm-hmm. I recommend the Bose Quiet Comfort series with active noise canceling. Uh, you can either get the Bluetooth wireless kind, they cost a little bit more, or the wired kind, but you have to put batteries in them. It's little triple A's. Totally worth it. They they are so good at blocking out pretty much everything around you, and the sound quality is fantastic. I've got a pair of uh, Sony noise canceling ons, but I I really like the Bose ones better. I uh, just got a pair of the Anchor Soundcore Q20s. Okay, they're significantly cheaper than the Bose ones. Um, and yeah. I I wanted a a pair of active noise canceling headphones, but I didn't want I. The headphones I'm wearing right now for recording, these are my high-end headphones. I spent way too much money on them. (laughs) I didn't want to do that again for noise-canceling headphones because noise-canceling headphones you can't use for something like this. Right. Um, There's a lot of reasons for that that I I won't get into. But the Anchors are 60 bucks. They've got great reviews. And Mm -hmm. I had never used noise-canceling headphones before, so I'm going to treat them the way I I talk about cruises. I've taken two cruises in my life. Um, both of them have been on Carnival, and I understand that Carnival is considered the Walmart of the cruise line <laughs> industry, but right. I have been perfectly satisfied with both cruises I have taken, and honestly, I don't want anything better because I don't want to know what I'm missing. Like, <laughs> what I got was what I needed, and that's kind of how I'm the, – the sound cores, the first time I put them on and turned them on mm-hmm. and heard the way – like what deads. they did to the yeah, – Yeah, it just deads everything around you. I was like, oh, God, yeah. this is what I've been missing in my life for, like, airplanes and travel and all that. The the Bose ones that I mentioned, I, I think they're currently on the third series, but the first and second series are both excellent anyways. You could probably get them pretty cheap now, especially if you get them used. Um, and I'll, I'll throw links in the show notes to some of these yeah. recommendations with a disclaimer that um, they will be Amazon affiliate links. We'll get like 50 cents if you buy one. Um, so you'll be helping support the show if you are interested in, in hunting some of those down and using them. So there, there is another uh, part to that, and this is a total aside. But if you are spending money on your work tools, you buying an expensive chair or an expensive desk to work remotely is no different than a police officer buying their gun. Mm-hmm. That is a deductible work expense, so business expense. It's that's something to keep in mind. Um, yeah, you may not get over your standard deduction doing it, but it is <laughs> you know that these are things that we're not just saying go out and spend a ton of money because oh god that'll be fun. The, the other it, the other advantage out. of getting noise canceling headphones is occasionally I like to go to well I mean not right now with quarantine but normally I like to go out to a cafe sometimes jump on the cafe Wi-Fi, work from there, or just go, you know, the library or just go anywhere outside of the house just because, like, it, it's isolating just being in your house all the time. And you don't have any control over how noisy the cafe or whatever you're at is, but you throw some noise-canceling headphones on and put on some tunes you like, it's just, it's, you may as well be in a soundproof room. Yeah. The other uh, distraction, and we we kind of brought this up already, but in a different uh, context. <laughs> you said, you know, go to the kitchen and get yourself some water. That's okay. Yeah. But be wary of the kitchen. The thing about the kitchen is, it you know, A, it, it's going to make you unhealthy. 
when you when you're at work when you're at your office i'm sure your office probably has like a little break room or whatever but it's not like a free-for-all when it's your kitchen and it's full of your food and your snacks yeah. and your stuff there can be this desire to get up and go get yourself a little snack or, or whatever constantly and, and i urge you to resist that a, a good a good rubric for yourself is uh don't eat while you're working just yeah. don't don't eat lunch while you're working don't get snacks and sit at your desk and eat them while you're working because you're just going to mindlessly consume food. Um, the only thing you should be consuming while you're working is water and or coffee. Maybe like a cookie or something. I like to have a cookie with my coffee sometimes or like the a modification that I will put on that is yeah. I would say it's okay to snack at your desk, but only in the same way you would do it in an office, which is. Something that would fit in a drawer next to you. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Like a trail mix or, you know, yeah. a candy bar is certainly, I think, okay. I'm not telling sure. you to try to be super healthy or anything. What, right. what you, how you eat is up to you. But the, the thing about the kitchen is it will entice you to overindulge. Right. And it's not just a health thing. It will become something where you're realizing every hour you're getting up and wandering into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And you'll... You'll do this subconsciously, not even looking for food. <laughs> you'll get up to stand up and stretch or something, and you'll just wander into the kitchen. <laughs> and there's some part of our monkey brain that I think kicks in that causes that. But be mindful. And I have that problem because my office mm -hmm. right off this hallway that is behind my door, that's the kitchen. And mm -hmm. so I do have to be very kind of aware that water, yes, but especially by the time afternoon rolls around, I know dinner is coming. I'm getting hungry. Yeah. I have a habit of walking in there and being like, what can I grab real fast? <laughs> and in the time it takes me to sit there and think about, well, what can I grab real fast? I've burnt 10 minutes looking through <laughs> cupboards or something. So it's, it's one of those things where the, the little minutes that that takes mm -hmm. really adds up over time. And it's stupid, but it will, if you pay attention to it, it you will notice it. We, we mentioned structure and routine before. I think this gets back to like, Rituals are important because they help to kind of set the pace pacing for your day. So when, when I work remotely, I typically I'll start my day. I'll, you know, I'll go into the kitchen and I'll brew a pot of coffee. I'll pour the coffee and then I'll have, you know, maybe I'll have like, I don't know, a cinnamon bun or whatever um, of something, some kind of small morning snack with it. And then I sit down at my on my laptop and then I'll start working and I'll have the coffee with me. That's part of my like morning ritual. When I get started, started working, it gets my mind in the right frame set and or mind frame. <laughs> and, I'm um, the one who's drinking double. You should be better. <laughs> yeah, Come on. Smart one tonight. <laughs> uh, but it, it, I think the I think the rituals are important. It, like demarcates different parts of the day, like how your day is going to go, what part of the day you're at. It helps give you that like frame of reference of where you're at in your day. And it will help, help you avoid the like foraging for food in your kitchen because that's not part of your like daily rituals. Don't make it a part of a ritual either. <laughs> um, as far as communication goes, what I'm going to say is first and foremost, any kind of real-time chat, whether that's Slack, Discord, Microsoft Teams, whatever, all of those are better than email. Um, I don't care if you use IRC, if that's your chat of choice. Having real-time chat with the people you're working with is always better than trying to go back and forth on email and nothing else. 
there's a running joke at our work that our channel, my team's channel, is the most active one in our Slack because mm-hmm. we've got people in two different offices and then two of us that are completely remote. So yeah. we use Slack constantly. Right. Yeah. And that's important because, you know, feedback cycles, feedback loops, I, you know, we get really frustrated actually when we have to engage with somebody who doesn't pay attention to Slack and you're adding <laughs> them and all this, trying to like, you know, trying to get their feedback on a design decision or some content right. changes or something like that. And it's like, I just open your app and dings at you. You know what's happening. <laughs> um, but those things are way better than email, um, way more immediate. Yeah. And I talk a lot about, um, I was a communication major in college and that kind of stuff is really important to me in web development and remote work impacts the way we interpret interpersonal communication Mm -hmm. at a very, very high level. And we have to acknowledge that. What I mean is when most of your interactions are through chat and through email, you lose all your nonverbal communication. You lose tone, things like sarcasm. Sarcasm does not translate well through Slack. (laughs) No. You cannot active listen. Active listening is not a thing that exists in chat and in emails. Mm. Yeah. And these are three very key components to how we interact with people. I'm going to disagree with you there. I think active listening is done using react emojis. So when someone is saying something and you don't want to specifically say a word back to it, or you don't have anything to add to the words, but you want to acknowledge that you've seen it, you know, you throw the thumbs up emoji on it or the whatever one is appropriate. That's not so much active listening as it is when we talk about things like the Shannon Weaver model of communication. Okay. Sender, receiver, channel, message. Okay. It's about this uh, cyclical process we have, like acknowledging that you've heard something isn't so much the same as active listening. Like active listening is about what we're doing right now as we talk, you know, and hearing somebody speak, you know, the closest we get, and this Mm -hmm. is a bad, bad like comparison is Slack will do things like, you know, so-and-so is chatting or several people are tight or typing was several people are typing. Like the closest we get to active listening is, waiting on that to come right. because we can only get a message in its completion right we can't listen to the message as it's coming in gretchen mccullough in uh in her book because internet talks about how emoji and those other like non-textual things like um you know using the the shrug thing and if you slash shrug on slack or using the facepalm either Jaif or like icon or emoji or whatever. These sort of things provide the um, nonverbal gestures like that we might use when we're talking. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is like, that sounds more like it's a replacement for the nonverbal component. Yeah. Yeah. It's you're you're right that it's not specifically active listening, but I I think that if you're new to doing remote work, it's not unprofessional to use emoji in your communication. Oh God. And I, and I would say, I would almost say that it's really important to use them to provide context because you can't use gestures in text, Yes, but those provide that and just use emoji to decorate and illustrate and provide 
uh, some additional flair and gestures to your text, but not actually stand in for the text. You're not making anything easier. It just is annoying. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree with that. One of the reasons I emphasize this so hard, though, is because we we actually have a working agreement on our team. If a chat on something in Slack goes longer than five minutes, then mm-hmm. we should jump into a Google Hangout. Because I like that. I like that a lot. It, it comes down to, like, any time we ever sort of get, like, snipey at each other a little mm-hmm. bit, snippy at each other, snipey, snippy, <laughs> a lot of that just comes from this back and forth of chat. and. The lack of tone, the lack of inflection, the inability to see people's faces as they're saying words. And so we, as humans, we take things in a very dry and sort of antagonistic way when mm-hmm. we lack those, those social cues. And so understanding that, yes, frustration is happening and we need to resolve this face-to-face is an important thing. And it's also, I think, very important in the broader picture, when we go back to the very start of this episode where we said, you know, up to 41 million people right now may be working from home, mm-hmm. and most of those people aren't used to this, and right. they are all under stress. This is a stressful environment. It has changed the way they have to work. That is a stressor. It is impacting their ability to do their jobs. That is a stressor. And so we are much that much more likely to react in ways that we wouldn't otherwise. And sure. you have to be cognizant of that. And and being a remote worker means understanding when you shouldn't read more into an email or into a chat <laughs> than is strictly necessary. Yeah. When, when in doubt, ask for clarification if you're yeah. ever not sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's never harm in that. And, and Or when in doubt, hit the, hey, let's jump in a meet real fast. Yeah. Let's jump in a hangout real fast. And let's just... Let's just talk about it because a lot of times, even if it's not a matter of being snippy, it's a matter of, you know, what would take half an hour to get through on chat. You can get through in five minutes just talking to the person. Yeah. Uh, There's also that piece of it. So it's also a time thing. But folks, I hope this advice has been useful. Please feel free to share it out. We're going to be promoting this in a couple other areas uh, as something because while we normally talk about web development, this I think has a little bit more broad uh, appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot more to it, certainly, that we could dive into, but just a little bit. This is our advice. This is our experience. So mm-hmm. hopefully it's helpful. Thank you. Yeah. The Drunken UX Podcast is brought to you by our friends at NewCloud. NewCloud is an industry-leading interactive map provider who has been building location-based solutions for organizations for a decade. Are you trying to find a simple solution to provide your users with an interactive map of your school, city, or business? Well, NewCloud's interactive map platform gives you the power to make and edit a custom interactive map in just minutes. They have a team of professional cartographers who specialize in map illustrations of many different styles and are ready to design an artistic rendering to fit your exact needs. One map serves all of your users' devices with responsive maps that are designed to scale and blend in seamlessly with your existing website. To request a demonstration or to view their portfolio, visit them online at newcloud.com slash drunkenUX. That's nucloud.com slash drunkenUX. So, oh, uh, one other thing I thought we should add is... um... There was a great book by uh, DHH and Jason Freed 
called Remote, and yeah. it's a collection we, we've of this like out many times. Yeah, it, it's a collection of of Freed and Hansen, uh, Heimer Hansen's like uh, Medium and Signal versus Noise articles that they've written about remote work, and they just compiled it into like kind of an anthology. Um, it does have some advice about how to be a remote worker yourself. It has a lot of good suggestions about how to advocate for your workplace supporting uh, supporting remote work. Uh, and in particular, things you should ask for and justifications you might give them. Um, it's an easy read. Like it's uh, You could read it in a day probably because it's pretty short. Um, but it's a good... It's a good resource, and I would recommend at least reading it, especially if you're new to this, um, and your your workplace is new to this as well. Yeah, and because I think you know one thing we're going to end up seeing is a lot of change in, in a lot of industries mm-hmm. in terms of, of accommodations and things like that. And some what we're going to find is there are a lot of people who are really good at working from home. <laughs> what we're going to find is that a lot of people aren't good at working from home. And to just reinforce the message that we started with, make sure you're good at working this way before you try to really fight for it. And it's okay if you aren't. Yeah. Um, not everybody, and uh, even if you're a web developer, just because you're a web developer doesn't mean you should be good working remotely. Uh, some, you know, some of the people want that interaction with their art directors and their marketing people, and you need to be, you know next to them and look at their computer have them stand over your shoulder while you're prototyping something that's okay um just because we are developers or designers or ux people it doesn't mean you have to be good at remote working it doesn't mean you have to like remote working Mm -hmm. so just make sure that if you really if this is something you want to make be part of your career make sure you're good at it and make sure it fits you as a personality trait and that's all that really matters. Um, and if, if it is good and, and normally you haven't worked that way, this is sort of your time to show that that is a way that you can work. Some people have, you know, realized they are way more productive working this way. And that's a great way to advocate for that flexibility. And I think a lot of companies are going to realize, hey, by telling people we can let them work home, you know, work from home one day a week, we can get better talent you know or we can you know we can promote that as a benefit that can offset something else you know so Mm. we may my hope is we will see more of it but in the right places because it's like anything it's good for where it's good yeah and identifying that is you know something important folks i want to thank you all for listening and taking the time if you ever want to hear more from us, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook. We are at slash Drunken UX. If you want to hit us up on Instagram, it is slash Drunken UX Podcast. Please check us out or drop by. Uh, we are in Discord now at DrunkenUX.com slash Discord. You can hit us up on any of those bases. We would love to chat with you. If you're somebody who you know is interested in remote work in particular and wants advice or is having trouble if it's something you're not adapting too well and you want to talk to somebody about it, we're here and we would love to give you, you know, a place to come ask those questions. So feel free to drop in and, and figure that out. Uh, but out, outside of that, I guess uh, the one thing I can tell you that always makes remote work better and will always improve your process and, and will help you out whenever you're working with, whether it's your marketing team, your copywriters, your CEO, whoever it is, the best thing you can do is just keep your personas close and your users closer. 
<laughs> I, like, I knew you were going to say it there, but it's still just... Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Folks, stay safe, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>